Welcome to the Horsewise Podcast with Lynn Reardon, where we share stories of horses and people and what they teach each other. On today's episode, I'll talk with you about one of my favorite slogans in the horse world, believe in your horse so he can believe in you and how it's helped me during my career with horses. I hope you enjoy the show and have a wonderful day. Today, I'd like to talk to you about this great saying that has been attributed to Ray Hunt that I've always really loved. And the saying is, believe in your horse so your horse can believe in you. And I have found that saying to be incredibly helpful all during my time with horses. When I was first learning more about how to be aware of different horses' behavior, learning how to ride more effectively, an ongoing pursuit. I wouldn't say that I have completely mastered that just yet uh, by any means. And uh, I found that that saying was very helpful, whether I was working on something very basic or endeavoring to work on something that could be termed more advanced. And so for me, what that signals is that that particular saying, believe in your horse so he can believe in you, is a principle. A principle is usually something, it doesn't matter whether it's applied to something small or something large, something complicated or something simple, the principle holds true. So a great example of that, let's say, would be gravity. The principle of gravity holds up on this planet, on earth, whether you are a flea or whether you are a giant elephant. So both of those types of creatures have to adhere to the laws of gravity. There is a principle involved. So going back to this idea of believe in your horse, so your horse can believe in you, there's multiple ways to look at that and to interpret it. And I'd like to share with you one of the ways that I have found it to be super useful. And I would say too, that this is a a theme that we're going to return to with different examples, different types of stories all during the podcast in 2020, because I think it's just a great theme in general to have in your mind as you work with horses, as you approach your goals for 2020 with your horses, your horsemanship, and your own riding. So for me, what that saying entails is allow your horse to make decisions on their own. Now, obviously, if your horse is going to make a decision to pull a knife on you and go rob a bank, kind of take you with him, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about just sort of releasing the horse to any decision he would make, good or bad. But you need to allow the horse, you need to trust the horse to utilize his mind to actually make that decision. You can't make it impossible for them to make a mistake. Just like if you were a kid and your folks said, hey, don't touch that oven, it's hot. Well, we all know that the way that children learn not to touch the oven is not necessarily because their parents told them, it's because they had to touch that oven and find out that it was hot. And then on their own, they learn, hey, my parents were right about that. But what if you wanted to protect your child so much from making that mistake that you tied your child up? You, you handcuffed your child and you tied your, you tethered your child to like the dining room table. Well, that way they would never, ever be able to make that mistake. They would never be able to touch the stove and find out that that was the wrong decision. But you would have a child that's pretty messed up because you had been constraining them, handcuffing them, 
tying them to the dining room table and in the worst possible way, not allowing them to learn or even have any kind of volition or choice of their own. So it's a pretty good bet that your child would end up either becoming extremely withdrawn or extremely aggressive or some combination of both. Now, if you want to relate that to your horse, let's say as your horse is approaching a jump, this is a story that I'm about to share with you about a personal experience I had with this particular phenomenon, that your horse tends to want to duck out at the jump. So as you're approaching the jump, you've got your horse set up and you ask your horse to move forward, but you're so sure he's going to make that mistake. You don't want him to make that mistake. You don't want him to duck out. So you start maybe kicking harder and sort of pinching him forward and like, don't you dare make that mistake. You're not allowed to make that mistake. You're not even allowed to try to duck out. Well, the signal that your horse is getting from you is, I know you're going to duck out. I have absolutely no confidence in you that you aren't going to duck out, that you're going to take this fence. And I am so concerned as a rider with keeping you from making that mistake that I am impeding your forward momentum. And I'm also letting you know with every step that I'm kind of keeping the reins tight and kind of braced with my leg that I don't believe that you're going to make the right choice. I won't even allow you to make the wrong choice or the right choice. I'm not allowing you to make any choice whatsoever. Typically that's when the horse ducks out, <laughs> just so you know, because it's very difficult to hold those, those aids together. If a 1200 pound horse really decides that I'm going to duck out, but you've set it up from the start that the horse is more likely to duck out. So, uh, if you believe in your horse a little bit, you set the parameters of these are the boundaries of my legs. These are the boundaries of my reins. Don't go past those. There's a consequence to that. But within those boundaries, I'm going to allow you to move forward. I'm going to trust that you are going to make the right decision. And in the back of your mind, you can be prepared. You can say, well, if, if he chooses the wrong thing, the thing that I would rather he not do, I'm going to redirect him in a way that will maybe create a little more work or make it kind of clear that this decision wasn't the one I was looking for but it won't be to shut him down and punish him. You know, that's not going to work either. So it kind of takes a lot of the intensity out of the situation from the start. Again, you think about children. If your child tends to never pick up their room, let's say. So every time, let's say they're supposed to do that on Saturday. So every Saturday morning, you're really tight and tense with your child because you're, you know they're not going to pick, they're not going to pick up their room. They're not going to do it. And that's your whole tone toward the child before they even go into the room. And so that immediately creates a sort of a brace in the child. Plus you've been tying them to the dining room table. So, I mean, there's already that, right? So that creates the scenario from the start where the child isn't really allowed to make a decision or they know that you've already are assuming that they're going to make the wrong decision in a sense you're already creating that tone and they tend to rise or fall to the expectation that we set for them. Well, the same is true for horses and with horses, it's always, of course, a very physical thing. So whatever we are kind of feeling in our body, that tension about, Hey, don't, don't make that mistake. Don't do it. Don't make that mistake. That is the type of physical vibration in a horse that makes them almost inevitably kind of gear up toward that thing that you don't want them to do. 
I mean, this goes back to other kinds of philosophy too. If they, they always say that if you focus on something that you're scared of or something that you don't want, it seems like that always ends up crossing your path. It's like one of those weird metaphysical things. What's well, also true for horses. You can be prepared to redirect your horse if the decision isn't the right one, but you allow the horse to actually make that decision. In the case of ducking out, you can feel the start of that decision. The decision is not when your horse actually ducks out. The horse makes a decision long before he actually ducks out. You can feel it. You can feel it in how the body is kind of shaping up with the horse. You can feel it in the feet. Most horses don't go straight to a jump and then do a right angle turn. They start to drift just a little bit because it's hard, unless they're super talented at ducking out. And I guess there are some horses like that, but for the most part, they really, they, they, they start to drift and then boom, then it seems like it's all of a sudden. So you can say, oh, I can feel he's made the wrong decision. I'm going to then go into my redirection phase, but that is not like a punitive phase or a, dang it, you better not move one way or the other. Remember, it's always easier to redirect movement. So if you try to shut movement down, it doesn't work as well for the most part. I'm not talking about situations where you need to do a one rein stop or something like that. I'm assuming something like you're on a task and your horse is not in crisis. The horse is just in a, a habit that isn't working for you or for them really. So I want to relate this back to my own experience with a horse that ducked out at jumps. I was riding in a clinic and the clinic was a general horsemanship clinic. So it wasn't specifically on jumping, but as part of the clinic at one point, the teacher set up a couple, I mean, I'm talking like low jumps, like little cross rails, no big deal. And she was having us ride a little pattern that involved going over poles and going around barrels. And then at some point we were going to go over this little cross rail or two, no big deal, right? Well, most of the people in the clinic were not used to doing any kind of jumping. And so they were like, oh my gosh, we're going to jump. And even the horses that were the most willing, as they would come toward the jump, you could see the people tightening up and the horse would be like, whoa, whoa, what's going on? Like this jump must not be a good thing. And not all of them would duck out. Some of them might just hesitate a little bit or want to stop, or they would go down maybe to a walk. They didn't feel confident about trotting. Well, the horse that I was on was one of these war horses. You've heard me talk about those maybe in other podcasts. I did one about Shadow Warrior, a war horse from Puerto Rico. This was a different horse. His name was LB, short for Lightning Ball. And Lightning Ball had raced till he was nine, big personality, super sure he was amazing. And he'd also had some rough experiences at the track at one phase of his career. So he could be a little bit defensive. He also had incredibly catty movement. Like if he had been a quarter horse, he could have been an amazing cutting horse. And he was tall. He was like 16'1", 16'2", really long-legged. So when he decided to do a cutting horse move, it was, it was, a, lot, it was a lot of energy beneath you. And it would, could be hard to sit that. It could be really hard to sit that. So he could be kind of tight and he kind of could explode side to side. So that's a lot of fun coming up to a jump, right? So we were coming up to a jump and I could feel him like just being really mm, not sure he wanted to do it and starting to brace up. You all have felt that when your horse is starting to bristle up a little bit, you feel, you feel that kind of, Hey, Game of Thrones dragon thing is about to happen. And, um, you know, we kind of lurched through one or two jumps and, um, I remember the teacher said to me, you know, make him move out more when you're in the first part of the pattern, the part that's about poles and barrels and going around these plants, get some energy going and, and believe in him. 
And so I started to do that. And what I started to do was assume that I was going to be going over the jump, which is probably a good assumption, even if he wasn't, but that I was, I was kind of getting into the movement myself. So we were kind of weaving and going around the pattern. And then we came up to the jump and I was just like, we're jumping this. I know you can jump it. And it wasn't that I had some magical new age moment and, you know, angels and doves flew around my head or anything. I just sort of had this relaxed, we're going to go forward. It's going to be great. And if it doesn't work for you, I can, I can help you with that. And, you know, he just went right over that jump and it felt good to him. It felt good to him that I had the confidence. I wasn't waiting and hoping he would jump first. We were jumping together, but I was maybe leading a little bit. And those of you who jump for real, I'm not uh, someone who jumps often, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's not that you literally get off the horse and jump it yourself, but you are prepared. You, your body is jumping that fence. It's ready to go. You're not trying to hold him back. You're not saying, no, you go first and then I'll get into my jump position or I'm going to feel confident about this jump when you do. It's like you feel confident from the start. Well, that horse felt it from me and it relaxed him so much more than all of my other maneuverings have been to try to hold him in place and keep him from darting out one way or the other. And he started to relax. He started to snort, put his head down, get more rhythmic in the canters and the trots. And boy, we, we went over those jumps several times, no problem. And the horse was better for it. And so was I, and it was a fun thing. It wasn't like this uh, grim, like I'm going over this fence and you have to come with me. It was like, hey, this is really fun. We're having fun together. What I did was I did allow him to move forward. I allowed him to make his choice, so to speak. And I had that confidence in him. Either way, even if he made the wrong decision, I had the confidence in him that he would redirect well. And something about that combination really, really helped him. And then it helped me, obviously, because I never forgot it. Um, and so that's something that I would just like for you guys to keep in mind when you're working with your horse on something and you can feel maybe that it might not work out or you think it's going to go the wrong way is just be a little more relaxed about it. Again, unless you're in a dangerous situation and I, I hope most of you would not be in that kind of situation, but where you allow your horse to make that decision. I think too often we get into the habit of trying to sort of pinch and pull and squeeze our horse and then hold them into the place, like get into this position and just stay there. That's what I want. But we don't release and soften when they're in the position that we want them to be. So it doesn't feel any different to them to be squeezed into the position and held there. That doesn't feel comfortable. So there's a way that you kind of open up in that rectangle that you're establishing with your legs and your hands and your seat where the horse actually has the ability to move and to make those choices. And it also means that, of course, ironically, when you believe in your horse so he can believe in you, you're believing in yourself. You're believing that you will make the right decision, that you don't have to be clamping onto your horse with your legs or your hands, that you can allow him to move forward. And that if something doesn't quite go the way you'd like, that you are going to be able to redirect. You know your horse or you have confidence in your athleticism or you know that you're going to be calm. Those little things help you become a better rider because you start to believe in yourself. And that's also when the horse can believe in you too. So I hope you guys have enjoyed this little story about believing in your horse so he can believe in you. And as always, I hope you have a wonderful day and thank you for listening.